This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dr. Altaf Hussein has to leave. But um I wanted to first and foremost thank him uh Wallahi, that was, was a beautiful discussion, subhanAllah. Was, um, you know, what we've been talking about the entire time, about finding meaning in your life and doing something that's not shallow. And I just wanted to uh, really say to all of, all, to, to you, Dr. Altaf, Wallahi, I love you for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, you're one of the most underappreciated activists in this country. There's no doubt about it. You've done so much for the community. So I want everyone to make dua for Dr. Altaf, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless his efforts. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless his time. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to join him with the anbiya and the shuhada and the siddiqun. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that for every moment that he spent with us and for every moment he'll spend with our brothers and sisters in New York, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to replace it with a moment in Jannat al-Firdaus. Allahumma ameen. Everyone say ameen. Jazakumullah khair. Barakallah Please keep us in your dua as you travel inshaAllah. What is my topic? Umar ibn Khattab. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. You know, a lot of times, as you might have been sitting here and reflecting on Mus'ab ibn Umair and listening to this, this powerful story, and in honesty, you know, the beauty of this deen is that, subhanAllah, with every orator, with every different da'iyah, with every different shaykh, with whatever it is, they could talk about the same thing over and over and over again. You could listen to a tafsir of the same ayah over and over and over again. You could listen to the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ done by a bunch of different speakers. And every one of them, wallahi, has its, its different halal, it has its different sweetness, its different taste, and it has its different benefit. And to be honest with you, I never benefited from a talk on Mus'ab ibn Umair the way that I just did. And I'm being very honest about that. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. But you know, that's really what our deen is all about. And when we look at the life of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, I want to share with you a comment that was made when I, when I spoke about Umar ibn al-Khattab. And actually for those of you that will be taking the al-Maghrib class that I'll be doing here, I, I believe in a month and a half, two months, we actually look at the tazkiyah of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu with some depth. But I remember a comment that was made about Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Someone came to me after I gave a khutbah about Umar and said, you know, he's too harsh. You know, why does he always talk about hellfire? Why is he always so rough? How, how come every time you read about Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he's asking the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, give me permission to cut the hypocrite's head off. You know, why, why do we read about the durra of Umar, the stick of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu? Why is he so rough? And I said, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already had Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu in this ummah. So Allah complimented Abu Bakr with Umar. And that's true. Listen to Rasulullah once he's looking to Abu Bakr and Umar. And Rasulullah by the way, it was always, I Abu Bakr and Umar did this. I Abu Bakr and Umar saw this. I believe this. And one time Rasulullah said, and I believe this. And Abu Bakr and Umar also believed this. So Rasulullah was always with these two companions of his. And Rasulullah said that he would enter into Jannah with holding their hands. And that is, subhanAllah, the way that they are buried. 
you know, just look at the beauty of the way that the Prophet ﷺ is buried with his companions. You know, subhanAllah. But in particular ones, just looking at their different personalities, and that's really what I want to focus on. Rasulullah says to Abu Bakr anhu that if I was to leave the world to Abu Bakr, then perhaps the hypocrites and the disbelievers would all be free to go. And if I was to leave it to Umar, then they'd all be killed. Now the hadith has some weakness in it, by the way. But subhanAllah, it shows you there's some, some truth in it. When Rasulullah looks at these two companions, and when we look at these two companions, we see different personalities. In fact, when we look at all of the Sahaba, and you know the beauty of that? Rasulullah when he said to follow his sunnah, he said, follow my sunnah. And the sunnah of Khulafa al-Rashideen. The sunnah of the Khulafa. You know, subhanAllah, whatever personality you have, whatever circumstance you have, whatever economic situation you have, you will find a sahabi that had a similar situation that you can relate to. If a person is an orphan, they have a precedent. If a person grew up wealthy, they have a precedent. If a person... You know, was married at a young age, they have a precedent. If a person is a widow, they have a precedent. If a person, you know, has issues with their parents, they have a precedent in the Sahaba of the Prophet ﷺ. Whatever it is, you can find something in the Sahaba of the Prophet ﷺ. You can find inspiration and draw on their stories. And the thing that we learn about them is, you know what? Each and every single one of them struggled. Each and every single one of them had to go through a certain journey. But they were masters in diagnosing their own situations and their own personalities and how to bring themselves close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'll give you this example. In our communities, actually I'll ask this question. How many of you are driven more towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the verses of Jannah rather than the verses of Hellfire? Raise your hand. How many of you are driven more towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the verses about hellfire than the verses of Jannah. Raise your hand. 50-50, right? Some people, if you ask them what their favorite surah in the Qur'an is, they'll say Surah Al-Rahman. Some people will say it's Surah Al-Munafiqun, right? People are different. People have different personalities. People have different journeys towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People have different ways of diagnosing themselves, right? Of being scholars of their own souls. How to bring themselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and purify that nafs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them. Because each and every single one of us is unique in that regard. Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that the Sahaba used to always ask Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about the good things. Right? They always asked him about Jannah. They always used to ask him about the good things. But he said, I used to always ask the Prophet ﷺ about hell. And about the bad things so that I could avoid those things. That was his personality. That's what drove him. And perhaps that is why he was the one who Rasulullah ﷺ entrusted with the names of the hypocrites. Because Hudayfa feared it so much, he could never be amongst them. That was his personality. Now, the life of Umar ibn al-Khattab is far too vast to cover in a session or in a talk. In fact, it's far too vast to cover in a conference, in a class. The seerah of Umar ibn al-Khattab is one of the most fascinating seerah. 
And it's so fascinating. And the Prophet ﷺ just tells us about the intuition that this man had. You know, Rasulullah says that there were people in the Ummah before you, the nations before you that were muhaddathun, not muhaddithun, muhaddathun, which means literally they were spoken to. He said, if there's anyone in my Ummah like that, it's Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was spoken to. And, what, and Ibn Hajar rahimallah, he explains that. As, as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was telling us, there's some people from amongst Bani Israel that weren't necessarily prophets, but they were inspired by the malaika. They had intuition that just always agreed with the truth. And Umar radiallahu anhu had such a strong intuition that the revelation would agree with Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, sometimes even when he disagreed with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. An ayah of Qur'an would be revealed which would agree with the opinion of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, like with the captives of Badr, or like with praying uh, janazah on Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salud. The, revela- the Qur'an, Allah agreed with Umar's opinion radiallahu ta'ala anhu. You know how amazing that is? Why? Because he was so sincere in trying to change himself for the better. He was so sincere in trying to attain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah guides a person who is striving. Those who are striving in our cause, we will guide them to our subur, to our paths in the plural. The only time Allah refers to his sabil in the plural sense. Allah always in the Qur'an reveals to the path of Allah sabirillah as one. Dhulumat nur, darkness upon darkness, one light. Sirat al mustaqim, one sirat, one path, one way. But here is the only time Allah, and Allah refers to the ways of shaitan as subul. Shaitan can delude you in many ways. Shaitan gets you with different ways depending on your personality. Right? Some of you like chocolate, some of you like candy. You know, whatever it is, he's going to get you with your way. And this time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to his way as subul, as paths. And the scholars describe that. Paths that are all part of the one path, but the paths of goodness, the path of sadaqah, the path of khushu' the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings you to the various wasail, the various vehicles that bring you towards him, that bring you and keep you firm on the sabir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you are sincere, and let me, you know, I remember listening to, uh, I believe the brother, Imam Tariq Abdul Rashid, I think. And he was talking about, you know, his way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his, his convert story. And many times we, you know, to me the, the convert stories are so powerful. When you read the stories of people, that, you know, I love to just sit with people that reverted to Islam. Just tell me your story. It's so powerful, so powerful. And I remember, subhanAllah, he was telling the story and he was saying that as I was getting saved from a situation, I made a promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I was already thinking of the loopholes to that promise, right? You word your, when you're making tawbah, you word your tawbah in a way that you can still, it's like we've, we've gotten so used to dealing with insurance companies and stuff like that, and contracts, that we even word our tawbah to have loopholes in them. Right? It's like you, when you make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, dude, there's no fine print. Allah knows what you're saying and Allah knows what's in your heart. You can't have big print to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then have the conditions at the bottom. But when we make tawbah, 
It's like, I, subhanAllah, I was, I was telling, there's a sister that was in a haram relationship. This, this story happens many times, brother and sister in a haram relationship. And I want to get married. My parents aren't letting us get married. After we established a relationship two, three years ago, and now we're telling our parents about it, and now we're mad at them because they don't want to let us get married. Okay, fine. And you're acting like an angel the entire time. And telling me about how vicious your parents are because they don't want to let you marry uh, someone from another race. Which I agree, we should end racism in marriage, but you're not exactly an angel yourself. You kind of contributed to this problem too, you know. And subhanAllah, I'm telling, well, I said, you know, for the first, for the most part, we'll work on that inshallah ta'ala. But for now, you need to make tawbah. Separate from each other. Make sincere tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you transgressed the bounds of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then inshallah ta'ala we can talk about the other stuff if it's a good fit and we can try to work on your parents. No, but I really, really, really want him. You know, yeah, I feel bad, astaghfirullah, but I can't live without him. That's not a, that, that's not a sincere tawbah. Tawbu Allah, tawbatan nasuha. Turn back to Allah with a sincere repentance. Right? Oh Allah, I messed up and I know I messed up and I'm willing to do anything to have that black spot taken off of my heart. Whatever it has to be. Now with Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, we have a man, and I said that every sahabi had a different diagnosis, everyone needs to be dealt with a different way. Umar radiallahu anhu was a roughneck. Simple as that. Umar radiallahu anhu didn't listen to sweet talk. If, you know, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a straightforward person. No beating around the bush. You want to correct Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu? You grab him by his shirt, you grab him by his beard, and you talk some sense into him. That's what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did when he saw Umar radiallahu anhu come to his house. He pulled Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu down. And when Umar was on his knees, he was making direct eye contact with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa who was not a short man by the way. That's how big Umar was. You know, the guy that would sit on, a, on an animal and his feet would touch the ground. Sit on a donkey, his feet touch the ground. He's that big. When are you going to stop this, O oh Umar? Are you waiting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to strike you with something? When are you going to stop? When are you going to turn your life around? And Umar radiallahu anhu turned his life around. And you know what? Umar knew that he was a roughneck. And that's why Umar dealt with himself roughly. As rough as he was with other people, he was always much rougher with himself. And in fact, when he was in a position of authority, when he was the Khalifa, he was much more lenient than some of the most lenient personalities that assume leadership in this Ummah. Much, he was a very lenient Khalifa. Very lenient with people. Made excuses for people. But for himself, there were no excuses. This was a man عنه, that used to sit with himself and used to put his, his hand next to the fire and say, can you handle it, O Umar? Then how would the fire of hell be? This was a man that used to stand up and cry at night at the verses of hellfire. At the verses of hellfire. Because he was rough and he needed to be dealt with in a rough way. So he dealt with himself that way to a point that he developed two black marks under his eyes from crying so much. He knew what he had to do. This was a man who knowing his arrogance, knowing his ego before Islam, knowing his great pride, would humble himself even to the little children of the ummah. Would humble himself to the slaves. Would humble himself 
to the people of to, to the people who were not Muslim in the Ummah would always humble himself. That a woman could call out to Umar and say to Umar, I remember you when you were Umair, when you were a little Umair, when you were a little boy playing around. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he would break down into tears. Before Islam, he probably would have smacked her across the face. That was his personality. He was a roughneck. But he knew how to deal with himself. And that's, that's the reality of the Sahaba. They knew how to deal with themselves. They knew when they needed to hear some Jannah, and they knew when they needed to hear some help. Right? Sometimes telling people about Jannah too much is counterproductive. Because they get too relaxed, they get too calm. Sometimes you need to be shaken up too. You know, our deen is a balanced and comprehensive deen. If you find somebody that's struggling on, on the side of the street, if you find someone that's a bum in this world, you don't go to them and tell them, don't worry, welfare is going to get better. A Democrat's in office, hopefully something will get better for you. You know, you're part of the 47%, alhamdulillah. Things will work out in your benefit. Don't worry, don't worry. You don't tell them that. If you love them, you tell them, get up and work. Nobody's going to do it for you. Stop being a bum. Because sometimes you need to be shaken up. And, I, and, and it, it bothers me that, you know, at, not at this conference, by the way, YM didn't do this, but at some conferences, when you go to a conference, the organization will tell you, Sheikh, we want to make our youth feel good. We want to, you know, I remember there was, I don't want to say the name of the country because I don't want to be in trouble. When, when Hurricane Katrina took place, all the ambassadors from the Muslim world came to give their checks uh, for the Katrina victims. Um, even though their own people are in poverty. But it was gestures, right? All these amirs and things. And I was always a representative of the Muslim community. And one time, one of the amirs of, of a country called me because I was going to recite Quran before the meeting. He said, Read something sweet and nice. I'm like, the entire Quran is sweet and nice. What are you talking about? Right? He's like, yeah, you know, like something like Surah Rahman, you know, something like that. And then I went and I read Surah Qaf. <laughs> he, was, he was looking at me and he wanted to kill me. And I was like, I will never step foot in your country after this. I, I know exactly what's going to happen. if I, I, get, I get enough issues when I travel. You know? <laughs> but subhanAllah, that's the attitude that we have, right? No, let's just talk about Jannah. Let's just talk about, let's just sit around and sing Kumbaya without music, you know, so that it's still halal. And let's all feel good about ourselves. No, you read about Umar radiallahu anhu. He dealt with himself in the way that he needed to be dealt with. And that's the, that, you know what, let's face it. A lot of us sometimes need a heavy hitting speech the way that, that you know, Dr. Altof, you know, I, I'm sitting here complaining about my traveling and stuff like that. He made me feel like garbage just now. But that's good. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair. Because I look at Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu, I'm like, dude, what, you're a joke. You think you're tired because you get on a plane and, and, you know, you're traveling. You're a joke. Look at Mus'ab radiallahu anhu. We need to be dealt with that way. We need to talk to ourselves that way. And subhanAllah, there's a very powerful statement that I, that I once heard. It's a quotation. It's not a hadith. It's not a qawl of a salaf. But it's, it says, set your goals high enough to where they inspire you, but low enough to where you won't be discouraged. Set your goals high enough to where they're inspiring. Where, you know, you're aiming high. You know, it's like a lot of times, I had a lot of Catholic friends, New Orleans, growing up. And for Lent, like, what are you going to give up? I'm going to give up a hamburger. I'm not going to eat hamburgers for Lent. All right, fine. <laughs> Set your goals high enough to where you're striving, to where they inspire you, 
to where you're aiming high, you're aiming in accordance with your potential and your capacity, but low enough to where you're not deflated and discouraged. That's what you do as a Muslim. Umar radiallahu anhu, as much as he feared hellfire, he didn't just say, okay, well, I'm giving up. You know, I'm not going to do anything. No. That fear of failure motivated him to succeed. Motivated him to be the best human being that walked the face of the earth after Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu that wasn't a prophet. To be the person that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, If there was to be a prophet after me, it would have been Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That fear that he had of hypocrisy. He feared his past. Yes, he did fear his past. He did a lot of wrong in his past. He feared it. But he used it as motivation. He didn't deflate himself as a result and not do anything. And subhanAllah, look at this man. You really want to see the sincerity of a person? You see it at the time of death. When he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, I ask you for al-mawtu fi sabilik fi baladi nabiyyik. To die in your cause in the city of your Prophet. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Hafsa radiallahu anhu says to him, You know, how are you going to do that? You know, Medina is the fortress. People die when they go out traveling. How are you going to do that? You know, how are you going to die for Sabilillah? He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it happen. He's sincere with that. And subhanAllah, look at what happens to him. He is stabbed in the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam while leading salah and then buried next to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And you know what this, the, the request of this man was as he's dying? He didn't want people to know that he was stabbed because he wanted them to keep praying. This was a person that before Islam was trying to stop the people from praying. <laughs> was trying to stop this message from growing and spread Islam to all, you know, all over the world and didn't want the people to stop praying. And you know what else he said? He asked, he said, by the way, who killed me? Who was the one who stabbed me? They said it was Abu Lu'lu al-Majusi. It was the, the fire worshiper, Zoroastrian, Abu Lu'lu. And he said, Alhamdulillah, the one who killed me wasn't from the Ummah of Muhammad <laughs> He was working to divide the Ummah before Islam. Now, his concern is, I want the Ummah to stay together. Alhamdulillah, the guy didn't kill me, that killed me wasn't, was, was, wasn't a Muslim, because if it was a Muslim, it would have led to widespread fitna. Think about that. Right? So find your calling. Know your personality and learn how to work on yourself and set your own goals and your own standards. And you know what? Be rough on yourself when you have to be rough on yourself. Umar radiallahu anhu's tazkiyah is not pretty, but it's necessary. And that's what our tazkiyah has to be. Not pretty, but necessary. Sometimes, alhamdulillah, we can, we, can, we can get together and we can talk about Jannah and we can talk about how, alhamdulillah, you know, we say la ilaha illallah and Rasulullah sallallahu said, whoever says it, uh, then Haram Allahu alayhi nar Allah will forbid him from the hellfire. Alhamdulillah, we're good, we're good, we're good. But Umar radiallahu anhu keeps on going to Hudayfa and saying to Hudayfa, Am I one of the hypocrites? Did Rasulullah mention my name to you? How much more reassurance do you need? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you from the Ashram Mubashirin al Jannah, the ten promised paradise, from the people that witnessed Badr and all of the battles with the Prophet. Rasulullah told you that you would enter Jannah hand in hand with him. But Umar radiallahu anhu was always afraid he wasn't doing enough. 
And many times I'm telling you, you know what the biggest problem that we have, even amongst youth that work for Islam, I'm not talking about the non the non-Masjid going youth. I'm done, don't worry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just crumpling up these papers. I'm not even reading them because Dr. Altaf didn't care. I'm just playing. You know what the biggest problem is? I'm not even talking about with the youth that don't come to the masjid and don't attend organizations, you know, don't attend conferences and stuff like that. I'm talking about the youth that are active today. Satisfaction with mediocrity. Don't be satisfied with being mediocre. Don't pat yourself on the back because you did something. Motivate yourself. Set higher goals for yourself. Right? And that's, that's really the, the main thing that I take from the tazkiyah of Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with that being said, to bless our brothers and sisters for their efforts. Because let everyone be hard on themselves. But man la nas, la Whoever doesn't thank people doesn't thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we show gratitude to others, but we hold ourselves to higher standards. So hold yourself to a higher standard. Work on yourself. Be rough on yourself to motivate yourself. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless am for all of the incredible work that they're doing. I hope everyone will become a part of this organization, inshallah, and will further, you know, and if it's not YM, whatever youth group is active in your area, but further this cause of getting the youth involved and not being satisfied with mediocrity, not being satisfied with just enough, but actually willing to make real sacrifices for this ummah, and actually willing to question themselves and be hard on themselves to try to achieve a higher goal. Jazakumullah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.